Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. I am your host, Alex Sanchez, and today we are finishing up our analysis of the top 50 prospects for the NL West. We have done it. We've done six of the divisions, if we conclude today. And uh, the NL West today is a fascinating one because, to me, you have underrated systems, you have overrated systems, and then you have just systems that are exactly what you think they are. Uh, Not looking at you, the Rockies, but I am looking at you. Uh, So it's going to, I think, lead to a lot of interesting discussions. And to help me along with that, I have two guests uh, with me today, uh, Doug Otto and Nate Eckert. Doug is for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Doug, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Nate Eckert is joining us. Nate, what's going on, my man? Just excited to uh, to be here and and uh, ready to talk some prospects uh, NL West style. Yeah, as uh, you guys would probably say, save the best for last. This is the last division that we're covering. It's been a interesting journey so far. I mean, last week we had the AL East is just loaded, just loaded. It's going to be hard to compete with the top top prospects in those divisions, but I think the NL West will give anybody a run for its money, um, especially with some of these other teams as well. The Giants, um, I think, are supremely talented at the top and even at the bottom. There's just guys that I just like, you know, in the 10s and the 20s range. And uh, of course, let's not forget the San Diego Padres. Um, If you listen to this podcast, you know I am the Padres correspondent. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. Pleasure to have you. Um, But I do write for the San Diego Padres. We'll be going over their system in depth as well. And let's just get started. Let's get right into it. Before we go over our teams, gentlemen, though, we do need to do a service to the other two teams in this division that we do not have correspondence for, the San Francisco Giants and the Colorado Rockies. So let's start with the Giants, okay? This is the one where I'm thinking underrated. I had them very highly ranked in our organizational rankings that uh, I completed. Um, Nate, I don't know if you've done yours or not, but where do you think the Giants are going to slot in when we look at systems overall in baseball for you? Uh, I haven't yet done my uh, organizational rankings, but for me, they are absolutely a system that's on the up and up. Uh, Just looking at uh, the top 10, I'm looking at Patrick Bailey, uh, Will Bednar, uh, Hunter Bishop, Kyle Harrison, Helioit, uh, and my very favorite, Luis Matos, can't forget Bart, and Luciano. So that, I mean, that is about as strong of a top 10, top 9 as you can get. And then they have uh, they have further talent down the line, too, with uh, uh, they got Will Wilson from uh, NC State. I believe that's where he went to college. And my favorite, uh, Ryan Murphy, the right-hander, who exploded onto the scene last year. Uh, I made sure to pick him up in no time uh, in in my in our uh, dynasty league. So they are absolutely underrated. 
Um, and given Farhan and his ability to um, to uh, get the most out of prospects, I think the Giants are going to be in good hands for a lot of years to come, which uh, pains me to say it as a Dodgers uh, fan and correspondent. <laughs> but hey, real recognizes real, and it's a damn good system. And let's not forget that you know the major league team led baseball in wins. They were you know one game away from losing to the Braves in the NLCS, but. Uh, that's pretty crazy to think of a team that good in the major league level. And now I, I think there was some luck involved with that. I mean, for lack of a better word, luck, I, I don't want to use that, but a lot of things went their way for sure in 2021. Uh, whether that happens or get and, or not, we'll have to see about that. But this so- system is loaded. And let's not forget a couple of the guys that they lost. I mean, they traded for Chris Bryant, which was costly. There's no doubt about it. Caleb Killian one of my favorites um, in this offseason that I've kind of done some research on, uh, Alexander Canario as well. I mean, if we included those guys in this system, I mean, you're looking at top five system in my eyes. And now it is a little weaker towards the end. I mean, there's some guys that, you know, are, um, I, I, you know, I don't know too much about. Uh, they're newer to the, the list that I haven't had a chance to research. But the top, like you said, Nate, is fantastic. Doug, what are your thoughts Um, on this system overall. Uh, Do you think it's a top 10 system in your eyes? So when I already did my organizational rankings and in my first stab, I actually put them at number five. Um, And then when I looked at it again, I kind of thought that was maybe a little too rich. So I I think I bumped them down to like 12th or something. Um, Just because once I kind of took another look at the depth, it wasn't as strong as I had in my mind. but that top is just is so great with Marco Luciano, Luis Maitos, um, just a, like a lot of potential star power, which I think is is really important for a good farm system. Um, but another thing, like Nate was saying, was um, that pitching really took off um, at the major league level, which gives me a little bit more confidence in their prospects. Um, I'm a big fan of Kyle Harrison, Ryan Murphy, of course, um, and it. I just I think they they are a system on the on the rise. So I think they could easily get into that top 10 next year. Maybe not this year, but I wouldn't argue with you too much if you had them in the top 10. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that top 10 is kind of that borderline. I had them at eight, but I think it's because I'm just completely higher on a couple of guys than anybody else. Maybe in the the industry uh, is I mean, I'm still in love with Hunter Bishop. And I still have Marco Luciano as a top, you know, six, seven prospect. Maybe not, maybe a little lower now. But let's talk about him and start there because I think there is some divide with him now. I mean, before 2021, he was up there in a top five conversation for a lot of people. This season, I think a lot of people have lowered him. I've seen him, you know, 20s and 30s in some publications. And they claim that it was a bad 2021. 20, um, and then I, I look at the stats and I'm like, yeah, I mean, there was strikeouts for sure. But 19 home runs, 344 on base percentage, you know, two years younger than everybody at his level. Got bumped up to high A. That's where he really struggled at 217 batting average. Tons of tons of strikeouts, of course. But oh, it's 36 games. And I think that if you can get 
Luciano at a discount. And even if that discount is like you have to give up a, a top 15 or top 20 guy, you should be willing to do it. Now, it's a high risk, high reward. There's no speed really in that profile. And, you know, a 250, 260 batting average is probably what's going to happen in best case scenario land. But, um, you know, if he can stay on the dirt hitting 35 to 40 homers, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's like 40 homer is the what we're talking about. Not like, oh, he has power. He has 25 homer and power. But I'm thinking 40, 45 homers when it gets going because it's insane. So um, I noticed, you know, tier one still for Paul with our list here. And what do you guys think? Is he still tier one for you guys? We'll start with you, Nate. Is he still a tier one talent? And if so, how high are you willing to go um, on your top 100 list for him? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind he's a tier one talent. Uh, you know, listen, Luciano is all of, what, 20 right he's now? 20. He's 20 years old, okay? And like you said, I would put him every bit of ceiling anywhere between 40 to 45 bombs. Uh, what I think a lot of people have forgot about was his uh, shortened stint at the uh, Arizona Fall League this year when he was absolutely obliterating balls at the very beginning. Uh, I know he got really hot really quick, and then I think he got hurt or something Something like that happened. Um, but you're right. I mean, the only struggle that we saw him go through last year was at a high A, again, as a, what, probably a 19-year-old last year at high A. Um, and I think there's still a shot for a little bit more speed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fool myself or anybody else and say he's going to get 25 steals. But the more comfortable he is on those base pass, uh, the better he can get. And um, as long as he remains at short, which by all means, it looks like he will, at least for the first, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Um, that hit tool has room to grow. I mean, he's got a 55 hit tool, according to MLB.com. And I just think that with players of his age, with his maturation, that will come. It, it, the sky's absolute limit for Luciano. And I would absolutely put him in... I'd put him in top five and not even really bat an eye with uh, the top 100 right now. And before we move on to the rest of the system, I come over to you, Doug, to ask you about Luciano. I wanted to take a minute to talk about our new sponsor, Fantrax, which is a fantastic platform for fantasy sports. In fact, Nate, you can help me out with this. We had to pick a platform for our own Dynasty League with our prospects 1500 staffers and uh, we chose Fantrax and you're the commissioner of that so who else better than to tell us about uh, you know what was the main reason for joining Fantrax yeah absolutely uh, Fantrax is fantastic because of their depth of prospects available and in our uh, in our league we have a ton of prospects that should be um, rostered at any given time. So because of that, really alone, uh, it sets them apart from any other uh, platform out there. Fantrax is awesome. Absolutely. I mean, for keeper leagues, for dynasty leagues, even simple redraft leagues, you're going to get the best customization possible. And I don't want to mention platforms that are also on the market 
I'm not trying to put anybody down, but in one league, I was waiting on Yuri Perez for a year to pick up. I had to wait <laughs> for him to be added. Um, I mean, this is top 100 guy. And in Fantrax, you know, he's there before he even was anybody knew who he was. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, I missed out on Yuri Perez because he's added to the system on a random time and uh, wasn't by my computer. So um, if you're coming from another service that's like that. Uh, I think one of the reasons why people don't go to Fantrax is, oh, we have our roster save and our settings are safe. But what I actually didn't even know you could do is you can import all that stuff over as well and customize wherever you want. So bring those rosters over, bring those wacky settings. I, I guarantee you, if you have a weird setting, Fantrax will be able to do it. And to me, it's just makes sense. You know, in this age of specialization, we we shouldn't be playing fantasy sports on platforms that are doing a hundred other things, you know. With Fantrax, it's fantasy sports, and it's fantasy sports only, and it's 365 days a year. So why not head over to Fantrax for your league? And in fact, they're doing a special promotion with us here. If you go to Fantrax.com slash prospects1500 and sign up today for a league, you're actually going to be entered to win a Wander Franco signed jersey. Okay, so if you sign up for that, you're entered to win that prize, which is freaking awesome because... Um, it's not just prospects 1500. It is sort of the other dynasty podcast as well, participating in this, but I mean, your chances of winning that are really darn good. So again, that's fantrax.com slash prospects 1500 sign up today. Um, and you won't regret it. Uh, Doug, let's come over to you about Marco Luciano and Luis Matos, two tier one guys here. Uh, we talked about Luciano a little bit, but, uh, what are your thoughts here on Paul's decision to go with those two as tier one players? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the they both have superstar upside. Um, they're both so young and so advanced. Um, their performance is, is really indicative of um, special things to come. Um, they're both, they've got really, really great raw power, um, and they're able to, uh, um, they're, they're just great hitters all around. They can uh, get on base. Um, I think Luciano's high A stint, uh, you can't really wave it away entirely because it was, um, I think, like 140 plate appearances. But again, he's only 19 years old, or he was 19 years old uh, during that stint. Um, so I think he's he's got plenty of time to figure it out. And based on his track record, I think he will. Um, yeah, they're both both really great. I'm really excited about them. My, You know, I, I, as much as we're talking him up, the downside is a little bit more apparent with Luciano because there's a really decent chance that he goes to right field um, because he's just too big for short. I think we can all probably agree he's not a shortstop. We're hoping that he goes to third and stays there, but there's a chance he goes to the outfield. And then, you know, if he's hitting 240 with less power than we'd hoped, it, it is a risk. Um, and he, of course, he's so far away. So there is a little bit of risk here, but. I still think that you can, if you can buy him low, it's it's no brainer. Don't give up, you know, your Bobby Witt for him or or you know, like a draft pick or something. But you know, you can you can buy low on a few guys now in the off season. And Luis Matos, like you said, I, this this is why the system's underrated because I don't know if a bunch of people have the realization yet that he's an All Star caliber player. But I mean, he had a fantastic 2021. I mean, fantasy glory. He's already in the outfield, of course. Um, he's a little older than Luciano, if my memory serves. Uh, they're both 20 right now, but still insane one and two. Um, I'm interested in Paul's decision here in tier two, and I'll get your thoughts here. 
on uh, Joey Bart. I mean, there's some guys below. And again, I I'll fully admit I'm the Hunter Bishop fanboy. Um, I don't know if I would. I would put him above Bart. I don't know if I'd put him at number three. But Joey Bart at number two, I, f- I feel like the the shine has kind of came off of him a little bit. But with Posey retired, I guess it's it's his job to lose now. But I, I'm interested, Nate, on, on your ceiling for Joey Bart. Because I think it, my ceiling is much lower than most. Yeah, um, I haven't given up on Joey Bart by any stretch of the imagination. And, and this is why. Um, it's, it's simply because of what Posey was doing last year. Uh, if I'm Joey Bart and I'm a top, you know, where did he go in the draft that year? He was drafted. It was top five, right? Uh, he is a game changing power bat. If he can continue to improve upon his catching skills, I see Bart hitting 35 to 40 home runs a year. Yeah. <laughs> and if he figures it all, I'm sorry, he went second overall in that draft. I was just about in, to say that. 2018. Yep. yep. Uh, if he hits anywhere in uh, the realm of 275 to 280, and we're talking him at catcher, um, I don't see any, I don't see any reason why uh, why Bart can't be the catcher of their future for God knows how long. But the thing is also, they also have Patrick Bailey, who I love. Uh, he's a uh, switch hitting catcher. Uh, bat first went in the first round, 13th overall in 2020. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Bart. Uh, it's all going to, I think it's all going to depend on how hot or how cold he comes straight out of the kitchen. And either he catches fire immediately or he'll have a couple of months of mediocrity and make no mistake. Bailey, I don't think is ready for the bigs yet, maybe next year, but um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bart. I mean, they've had Posey forever and especially given his, his uh, curtain call last year, um, Bart has uh a lot of explaining to do as, uh, as, uh, uh, what would, who is that? Um, uh, Lucy. Richard, God, yeah, I love Lucy. Richard Ricardo. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, there's so I could talk about the giants for a long time, uh, but we do want to move on a little bit because I feel like as much as we want to talk about the giants, that's how, Little we we want to talk about the Rockies, but we should mention that, you know, there are some guys coming along here. And I think it's more it's not so much the guys in the system right now. It's just the history of the Rockies. And I've been hearing this a ton over um, Twitter and, and some podcasts as well. It's just they just don't trust the Rockies. But I think that's a dangerous game to play where you don't trust these organizations because then you're going to miss out on guys when they do hit. Um, let's not forget, you know, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. These guys are, are coming up through this very system now. Of course, the, it's a little different with the coaches and the, the front office. But Zach Veen at number one, um, super young, 20 years old, uh, did a little bit more uh, stolen bases than anybody ever thought. I wouldn't bank on that. I, I, he's definitely not a 30 stolen base guy in the pros. But the fact that he was able to pull that off shows you kind of the, the, the athlete that he is. So, Doug, Zach Veen. 
uh, outfielder. What are your thoughts on him? And uh, I'm assuming tier one, we can all agree on him for that, but I want to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, definitely tier one. Um, I think he, he's going to be a pretty good player. Uh, he seems like he has the total package. Um, he started off a little bit slow uh, last year. And that, that was kind of discouraging to me because coming out of the draft, I was kind of concerned that he might have a little more swing and miss in this game. Um, so that initially seemed to confirm it. But then I think after like the first month, he just took off and, and never looked back. So I'm pretty excited about him um, just as a potential five-tool player with a ton of impact. Yeah, and you get that Coors bump, so any sort, I mean, he was always a, uh, the power was never really in question with him. It, Hassel was the hit first guy, and Veen was the power guy. They're both doing both, I guess, right now, and then you get the Coors boost, which is why I think I think the organization mistrust for the Rockies is dangerous, because if there's one organization where you can get just a free boost by playing at Coors Field, it's the Rockies, and sure, there's other organizations that do strange things as well, but they don't get to play at Coors. So if you can get Veen to the big leagues and he's playing every day and he's playing half his games there, that's a, it's a big win in tier two. I was very fascinated to see this a uh, little right up here on Benny Montgomery, their draft pick last year. And that was that he belongs in tier 1.5, which seems high for me. Um, uh, but I've been growing and growing on him coming up. I think fantasy wise, I think he has a very good argument for uh, what um, what we're saying here or what Trent is saying here in his write-up. So, Nate, I wanted to get your thoughts. Is he closer to Tier 1 or is he closer to Tier 2 if we had to pick one? As of this moment, I'd say he's closer to 2. However, and that's only because he, he got in about 47 at-bats last year at the Rookie League. Um, However, he did have a nice uh, on-base percentage. I thought there would be a little too much swing and miss. It's the sample size is just so it's so little sometimes for these guys, especially the ones who come out of high school, especially the five toolers, you know, the the high impact bat speed guys. But Montgomery has all the tools and then some to become uh, a tier one. His hit tool is going to have to come a little bit of a way, but uh, he's an absolute rocket on the base pass, and he will learn how to steal bases the way he should with the amount of speed that he has. Uh, and as far as outfielding is concerned, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Baseball America had him ranked as the number one outfielder uh, defensively in that system. Uh, so he's a first rounder. Um, he's, I think they took him a little early for me. I like Montgomery. I've seen him quite a bit uh, from his high school um, showcase series, but um, I hope he proves me wrong. I, I, I want to see him in tier one. He just, he's going to have to do a lot more with that hit tool so that he can get on base mm-hmm. at a much higher clip. Uh, so we can see what he can do on the base pass. Um, right now, I think he's a tier two. However, he reminds me, Again, they're different positions, but Nick York was a guy that the Red Sox took really early and people were wondering. Now, there's a lot more trust with the Red Sox than there are the Rockies, but we don't know because there's so many you know, new people in power in that organization. So they might have something with Benny Montgomery willing to take him eighth overall 
uh, ahead of like a Khalil Watson or some of the other guys to go after. So in first year player drafts, I think that he's a great target because you can probably get him late. And if you're sitting in that five, six, seven range, I'm not, you're not, you don't have to take him there, but what you could do is trade back. And now all of a sudden you get potentially a first round talent in Benny Montgomery, and then you get a couple other picks. I think that's the way to do it. If you don't have those top five picks and we'll go into the first year player draft on this podcast in the future. Um, we can go into more depth about that, but I think that's what you do with him. When we get to the rest of the system here, it's just guys that have been on this list forever. I'm going down the list here. El Harris Montero is 23, AAA. He's been, you know, he was part of that all Arenado trade. Uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, Toglia is 23. He's been around forever. Velotti, Ryan Velotti at tw- <laughs> number five, 23. He's made his debut. He's been around forever. Bretton Doyle's been around forever. Um, Colton Welker, my gosh, is 24 now. I mean, these guys uh, are progressing, question mark, going forward. But uh, of those I mentioned, Doug, do you have a favorite? I mean, they've been in the system or, or been around with Montero's case for a long time, and they're they're not in the big leagues yet. And I think that's what's frustrating people, especially when the Rockies have uh, lots of room for these guys to play. So what do you think, Doug? Any of those names I mentioned that catch your eye? Yeah, I'm a big fan of El Harris. Montero, um, he had that breakout year. I think God was it all the way back in 2018 with the Cardinals, maybe 2019. Um, but then he fell off a bit, and then there was the uh, 2020 lost year, um, and he just bounced back huge in 2021. He got right back on track, which I think was really impressive. And um, I was a big fan of his before he had that dip in performance, so it was really exciting to see him come back. Um, I think he could be sort of your uh, prototypical middle-of-the-order masher. Um, I don't know how much defensive value value he'll give, um, especially it seems like even before um, when he was younger, they were talking about putting him on first base. So, I mean, it, it sounds like the DH is coming to the National League, so I think he could be, like, a great fit for DH um, for Colorado, which would be really exciting. Um but, yeah, I'm I'm just a big fan of his hitting ability. Yeah, you mentioned his 2021. What was very encouraging is that when he did get the bump up to AAA, he had almost identical numbers. I mean, on-base percentage, slugging, power rate, everything was sort of in line to what he was doing, which was sensational at AA. So that's pretty encouraging to see that he's he's very, very close to helping you out soon. And you know, like I said, the Rockies – they, they should be playing these guys sooner rather than later. And, you know, I could imagine a, a scenario where four or five of these guys are, are coming up in 2022 and just playing a ton. Um, Cause who else, you know, who else are, is playing ahead of these guys? Um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of at bats to go around. Um, I think another guy to mention here, uh, Nate, we'll come to you to finish off the system. We'll move on. Um, two guys here in tier three that are a little bit younger. Drew Romo and Ezekiel Tovar, who I really, really like. Um, you can get him in some dynasty leagues for a reasonable price. But uh, anything to add about those two guys? Or if, if not, anybody else that catches your eye here, tier three or below? Well, I'm I'm really glad that you actually did mention, uh, for me, Romo and uh, Tovar. I love both of these kids. Absolutely love them. Uh, Romo is a switch hitting catcher. 
in his debut, his pro debut last year, he only, what did he do? All he did was hit 314 over 79 games, had a 345 on base percentage with a 439 slugging. Uh, he had 17 doubles, 98 hits, six bombs, two triples. And so once his body matures, because he is, he just turned 20, he was 19 last year. Um, I think Romo has one of the better profiles to be that guy for the Rockies for a long time. They're, they're not heavy at catching right now. They have uh, their major league catcher they thought was supposed to be really good. He's not really panning out to what he's supposed to be. So I think Romo, even though it'll take him another year or two, absolutely. Uh, I think Romo will fly up that, up that, uh, that Rockies list. And I think we'll see him in the top three by the end of this season. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar is almost exactly the same type of ascension, uh, in my opinion. Uh, his hit tool is excellent. He's rating about a 50 right now, but, uh, last year he made it up to, let's see here, between single A and single A advanced, he averaged uh, right around 270 or something like that. But speed is, is, is Tovar's we uh, weapon. And um, he had 24 steals last year. Let's see what uh, his on-base percentage needs to have a little bit more. But he's got some good pop. He had a, a slugging percentage last year in 104 games. It was 475. Um, he is also 20 as of right now. And uh, I think he could be the type of player that can uh, do what uh, 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 Hampson Right, Hampson. Jared Hampson, sure, yeah. Yes, what Hampson hasn't been able to do, but I, I, I think he sticks in the infield. He's a bit small, and he, he'll, he still needs to uh, gain a little bit more weight. But he's graded with a 60 arm and a 65 fielding uh, by MLB.com. So uh, either he plays second. It all depends on how long Story's there. And uh, I, I like Tovar a lot. Yeah, you mentioned Garrett Hampson, and that's where we have to sort of pump the brakes because you have Garrett Hampson, you have Brendan Rodgers, you have uh, Ryan McMahon, all these guys that were on this list just a handful of years ago and top 100 guys, and they have done not much. So you worry about that, of course, but um, we're lucky David isn't on because he likes to rip the Rockies uh, from time to time. So uh, Rockies fans consider yourself saved that uh, David's not here tonight, but we are going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll get into some detail now with the systems that we happen to know very, very well and do some comparisons and tell you kind of where you should head when uh, you're facing it with a decision and it happens to be with some of these prospects. So stay tuned. This is futures focus. We'll be right back after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we are back. Futures Focus. Alex Sanchez here with Nate Eckert, Doug Otto. And now's the time, boys. We're going to go over our systems. And we're going to start in Tier 1, okay? So let's just, first of all, let's just take a step back and really appreciate these Tier 1 prospects. Because as much as the AL East has a say in having the best systems, I think Tier 1 guys it's going to be hard to find a better combo than the ones we're going to list right now. So, Doug, you have Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, and I think a lot of people would have Jordan Lawler in Tier 1 as well. So, two and a half guys there. Um, and then for me, Robert Hassel the third, and C.J. Abrams. Almost, you know, combo-wise, tough to beat that. And then with you, Nate, you were able to put three into your Tier 1 with Diego Cartaya, Bobby Miller, and Miguel Vargas. So now's the time where we debate on sort of the, the order of those guys. Can we all agree that I think it comes down to fantasy wise, at least Corbin Carroll and CJ Abrams. Are we at least willing to see that before we move on, Doug? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I know you would be now I have to go to Nate. <laughs> Do you think those are like in a tier on their own when we compare these three, or you're going to go with your Dodger guys? No, I, I I definitely like well Abrams is a no doubter for me. Uh, I love I love uh, Carroll as well. You know he's a Pacific Northwest kid who has managed to uh, take all of his skills in in a place where you he doesn't have the opportunity to always play year round, and I think that in and of itself speaks volumes. Now Carroll, if he's able to stay healthy these next couple of years, I think he could be one of the best players in baseball. So those two are very easy for me. All right. Fantastic. Good. Um, <clears throat> let me talk a little bit about Abrams here. And then I want to come over and uh, to you, Doug, about Carol, because I think that's going to be the debate. I could also probably make an argument for Hassel, although personally I'd take Carol ahead of Hassel. So we'll stop there with that. But CJ Abrams is fantastic. And I was so hurt to see him get hurt with his fractured fibula. Um, the good thing is that it was a break. It wasn't a ligament tear, which, you know, people are coming back from left and right with ACLs and MCLs and everything like that. So it wouldn't have been maybe the end of the world, but with a broken leg, he's already back to full speed. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to play a lot in the fall due to some other uh, injuries, but he should be fine to start. 2022 and once he starts he's going to be fantastic i mean the speed is about the best in the minors that you can get he needs to hit the ball in the air and develop a little bit more strength there's no doubt about that but everything else is there the hit tools there the premium position is going to be there whether it be it's not gonna be shortstop with the padres but it could be second base it could be center field i can see either of those positions so you have 
a little downgrade. I mean, there's you have to downgrade him a little bit in terms of overall. So a full season of Abrams, he might be competing with Witt and Julio, to be honest with you. But with the, the injury, there's just not enough confidence to say that, oh, everything's uh, rosy. So, you know, I, I think that you're you're fine putting Riley Green ahead of him now and uh, a couple of other guys as well. But top 10 still for me, Abrams. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's a crazy deal. So, Doug, Corbin Carroll, uh, actually pretty similar because of the injury. So give us what your thoughts are on Corbin Carroll and um, his progress coming back from that shoulder. Yeah, um, they do have sort of similar uh, styles of game. Um, like you said, double plus power or speed, sorry, speed um, and really great hit tools. Um, I am a little bit concerned about Carroll's power um, because he uh, will back up a little bit. He injured his shoulder after seven games um, last year, so we didn't see much. Um, but the shoulder came on a home run swing. Um which is kind of concerning because I'm at least me wondering that maybe he was just like putting a little too much effort into his swing and he might need to dial it back to avoid re-injuring his shoulder in the same way. Um, so I think that plus the fact that we just really haven't seen a lot out of him as a professional yet between 2020 and then losing last year to, due to injury. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, different uh there's a lot of variance for how his power could turn out um i do think that players that make as much contact as he does and are able to put the barrel on the ball consistently consistently like he does uh tend to grow into power so it's kind of like i don't know if like right now he has the type of power he might have been showing in that short sample last year but he could grow into it with time so um i'm pretty big on him um as a future all-around player but for right now i i would buy him for the speed and batting average and um, hope for the power a little later on yeah that's the beauty with these guys when we're talking dynasty is that their floor is still insane because what you're saying is is good to hear i think people need to hear it from a, a diamondbacks guy like yourself is that that swing awesome that he does it on a home run pretty pretty epic and if he can come back and be fine it's it's a story to tell you know we'll hear that everywhere on fox when they you know he's in the playoffs or whatever oh you hit a home run but the point is what you're saying is that he might be putting too much effort because that's hard to do you don't see that too often is a, a hurt shoulder on a a swing that was good you know a home run swing so the the thing i'm trying to point out here though is even if that power doesn't come and the same goes for abrams the hit tool and the double plus speed is just such a rarity that you'll be fine. Like you could take these guys and you're still going to have a huge advantage. And then what happens when that power does show up, you have a first round talent every year for the next decade and power showing up. We've talked about this on this podcast, that hit tool often leads to power and, you know, playing Arizona, the ball flies out of there, San Diego, not as much. So Nate, hearing all that, you have a pick your first round pick, you know, the top guys are gone. You have to pick, between Corbin Carroll and C.J. Abrams, who are you betting on for long-term dynasty? Oh, I'm taking I'm taking Abrams. Uh, I think uh, I don't know for a fact, but I, if I were to, if I were to guess, I would say that Abrams uh, just outright sixty time uh, doesn't blow Carroll away, but I, I 
there's just something else about like what we were just talking about the hit tool guys with that plus plus speed where they're just absolute game changers and with the Padres also here's another reason why I would take him you you insert him into that Padres lineup with Tatis and uh, Grisham and um, perhaps James Wood sometime along the line uh, he's gonna score if he's right and if he's healthy he'll score 130 runs no problem and he'll have 45 50 stolen bases because it all comes down to on base percentage which will always help when it comes you know the hit tool on base percentage for the leadoff position is is basically everything and then as we've also been saying the power will come this is major league baseball these guys as much as they love to get out and and get on base today's game is about power and so long as he doesn't uh, relinquish his hit tool to sell out their power, which I do not think will happen. I don't think the Padres would ever let that happen. Um, I, I think that no no matter where he plays, yes, he's at a premium position now, but you never know. It may see him in center or something like that. I think Abrams, it, for me at least, is, is, is a no-brainer over Carroll. And that's not to take anything away from Carroll. That's just how much I believe in Abrams and, mm-hmm. and his physical gifts. Um, before he got hurt, I mean, geez, what, what was he hitting? Like 390, something like yeah, that? Both were having sensational starts. <laughs> they, I mean, because yeah. Carroll was hitting over 400. I mean, it's such a short sample, but uh, your point is, is definitely well received. So as we move on here to like the bottom tier of tier one, which is fun to say, um, there are three guys there for you, Nate, that I think compare pretty favorably, and that's Miller, Cartaya, and Vargas to the rest of our tier one guys, Alec Thomas for you, Doug, and Robert Hassel, the three, uh, the three, the third. I like to call him RH3 now. I've already, I'm sure somebody else has coined that, but that's how I refer to him in my, uh, for the rest of my life now, because that seems awesome. But anyway, um, I think it's a no brainer, but I also know him probably better than you guys do. And I don't know your guys as well, but if I was picking and Abrams and Carol were off the board, Hassel is my next pick. So uh, let me start with that, and then I'll go and hear your guys, and let's see if you can change my mind, which I doubt it because I love Hassel a lot. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> you guys have to really bring it. So with Robert Hassel the third, um, you're getting a guy that has done everything you could have asked so far, and I saw him live as well this year. Um, hit a home run. The swing just seems so effortless with him, and he's such a young age that it's very, very encouraging. He was the hit first guy, but the power showed up. Um, it's going to continue to get very, very good, I think, moving forward. Now, the park in San Diego, but I don't like to worry about that too much. You know, the major league parks and their lineups and stuff like that for for value, because he's going to he's going to do everything. He's very, very similar to Zach Veen and the fact that their five tool talent is there. And I think he's a little bit more likely to steal bases than Zach Veen will uh, in the pros. Uh, I think you're going to get 20 to 25 stolen bases out of him. And the progress he's making is just, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. And you're already talking about a first high first round talent pedigree. So Robert Hassel is just, to me, he's a top 20 guy overall of everybody. I don't know if you guys have him that high, but um, that's my thoughts on him. So, Tell me why I should pick your guys ahead of Robert Hassel. 
even if you don't necessarily agree with that. But Doug, tell me why uh, about Alec Thomas. So I actually, I am really high on Alec Thomas. I would personally probably take him ahead of Robert Hassel um, just because uh, he's close to the majors. I think he might actually, depending on how the new CBA shakes out, uh, and they stopped doing the service time manipulation thing. He could start in the majors to start 2022. Um, he just destroyed double uh, A AA and triple A as a 21 year old uh, in 2021. Um, I think people don't really give him a lot of credit for his uh, power potential. And um, also he does have plus speed. It's just a matter of getting to both of those in game. Um, which I think he's still 21, so I think he has a lot of time to grow into it. Um, the thing about the speed is that he isn't very efficient on the base paths, so while he has that natural talent, I think he could figure it out and get there pretty easily. Um, the power might be a little bit more difficult to fix because um, I think his entire pro career so far, he's had ground ball rates above uh, 50% for any um, extended stay he's had at any level. Um, and to put that into context, I think the average for any league is like 42%. Um, so that could really cause some problems for him, uh, especially when he gets his uh, first taste of the majors. Um, it might just be a little harder for him to um, get enough fly balls for uh, enough homers. Um, so that those are definitely two concerns. But I think just given his age uh, and the fact that I didn't even mention that he's hit 300 at every level he's played, um, I think he's a potential five, five tool player. Um, it's just, there might be a little, a little rocky start to his major league career. Uh, rocky. Nice. We, we talked about them earlier. Uh, Nate, uh-huh. you, you have three tier one guys. I do want to ask you about that as well, moving forward, but I'll let you kind of introduce them first before, uh, maybe you can convince me before I even have a chance. So, uh, first question for you I want you to answer is, would you take any of these guys ahead of Alec Thomas? And if not, why are they tier one for you? Um, I know it's got, you're going to cover a lot of stuff here on that, but uh, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, uh, first, yes, I would take, I would take, uh, I would take Kartayev and Bobby Miller over, um, over uh Christ, what's his uh, name? Thomas <laughs> thank you Alec Thomas um let me just get let me just start by uh telling you a little bit about the three that I have in the top tier okay um Kartaya was and has been 19 years old and and younger throughout his entire major league career uh he did fall victim to an injury last last season however as a 19 year old uh through 114 at bats which isn't a great deal but keep bear with me he was only 19 409 on base percentage 614 slugging percentage 10 home runs in 31 games he hit 298 in those 31 games um doesn't strike out ton he only had 37 through those 31 games i mean that's not great but he had 18 walks and 31 rbis so he had an rbi for every game that he played in that was that single a um kartaya has been 
comped with Salvi Perez very naturally because of the way that he moves around the plate. He's a bigger kid. Uh, he's now 20, and he's 6'3", 219. He's got a 55 hit tool, 55 power, 60 arm, 55 field. So um, there's been an, a huge influx in catching prospects lately, and I, th- I think that Cartaya is up there amongst the elite of those catching prospects. The, you know, of course, there's Adley. He's first and foremost, and then uh, Gabriel Moreno and Francisco Alvarez. I mean, uh, yeah, Alvarez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after that, I argue that Cartier is the best, the, the fourth best catcher in all of baseball, yeah. prospect-wise. Okay, and for Bobby Miller, um, let me uh, just give you a few numbers here from Bobby. The reason why, before I get into the numbers, the reason why I love Bobby Miller so much is because the the Dodgers are a proven um, player development monster. And I don't have to sit here and name all of the different Dodgers starters who have come up through the pipeline over the past 5 to 10, 15 years because they all speak for themselves. And Miller is absolutely along that same line of, of, of young stud talent that will eventually uh, crack that starting lineup, and he should be a huge contributor. He's six foot five, 220 pounds. He's a bit of a throwback. Um, he throws a four seam that touches regularly, touches 100 miles per hour. He also throws a two seam that lives 95 to 97 and has incredible run and sink. Um, so there's two pitches. He also has a slider that falls completely off the map whenever he wants it to. And he controls all of these pitches with very good accuracy. Uh, the last two pitches he uses is a changeup that uh, MLB.com has graded at 55. Now, obviously, that is a work in progress. However, due to the natural arm, due to the, the natural action that he gets on his two seam, um, that changeup is going to it's going to develop very quickly. I have a feeling because when you're able to throw a two seam, as long as you can get that sucker about 10 miles an hour slower. You've got to change up. It's got that same arm side runs. You got that same drop, and that's going to be a devastating pitch, especially with the slider and the two fastballs. And last but not least, he has a 50 grade curveball. It's a really tight curveball, but he can put it where he wants it. Um, the big year that uh, that Louisville had uh, out of the, in 2020 when uh, they were able to, I think Emerson. Hancock came out of Louisville? No, that was Georgia. I'm sorry. I take that back. Uh, Reed Detmers came out of Louisville. Uh, the, the Dodgers kind of swooped in and also were, were able to get Bobby Miller. And that kind of went uh, under the radar. But all he's done since he's been a pro, and this was all last year because he made his debut last year. I'm sorry. Yeah, 2021. Uh, a 240 ERA. That's 14 games started, 56 innings. Uh, only 40 hits, only two home runs, only 13 walks, 7-0 strikeouts, 70 Ks, an opponent average of 192, and a 0.94 whip. So in his first year of pro ball, he's obviously picking up 
what the Dodgers are laying down. And uh, last but not least, um, Miguel Vargas. Um, I love I love Vargas because uh, he's a he's a hitter's hitter. I mean, the kid has hands that are lightning quick. All he's done is hit 400 in his first year in pro ball. It, granted, it was 30 games, 125 at bats, but still 400 is 400. Um, 2019, he hit 308, and last year in 2021, he hit 319. Uh, he's from Cuba. His father played pro ball for Cuba as well, so that he's got that pedigree. And uh, in his entire career, stateside, he has never had an on-base percentage lower than 380. And in 2021, his slugging percentage was 526. So that's 154 hits, 98 runs scored, 27 doubles, two triples, and 23 bombs all from a 319 hitter with 11 steals. Whether or not he stays at third remains to be seen, but he has the type of, of numbers that will play literally anywhere. So uh, he's that good of a hitter. I think that I can get on board with the Bobby Miller ahead of Alec Thomas because your argument that the Dodgers system knows how to develop arms. And Miguel Vargas, I think I can also get on board too. Um, it's the Diego Cartaya that I don't know if I if there's a debate for me with Alec Thomas as a comparison, just a kind of a random guy to compare to. I know, but um, just because catchers. But I do. Uh, I you're starting to convince me. Let's see if you convince Doug. What do you think, Doug? Would you take any of those three ahead of Alec Thomas? Um, I I think Miguel Vargas and Alec Thomas for me are kind of a toss up. Um, I would take either one of those. And I don't have a top 100 ranking, but if I did, I think they would probably uh, back-to-back or close to it. Um, like you said, Nate, I, I just really, really love Miguel Vargas' uh, bat-to-ball skills. I think he, he might be uh, the best hitter in that system, I would say, um, just a pure hitter. And the power came around in 2021 um, in a big way. So I, I, I could go Miguel Vargas over Alec Thomas. Yeah, I think, you know what, Doug, I agree with you. I would go Hassel ahead of both of those guys. I think Hassel has the highest ceiling in terms of fantasy because you're going to get some stolen bases that the other two don't have nearly as uh, reliable stats to back it up. Um, And then I think the Vargas-Alec Thomas debate, I think I'm very much too low on Miguel Vargas when I did my top 100. If I were to redo them, I think, uh, Nate, you definitely convinced me to bring him up now. Uh, I, I guess that I think they're all borderline like tier one guys. I think you could make the argument. Uh, they're really, really close. Um, but to have three in there, Nate, it's a bold move because there is a chance, uh, chance that none of them are all stars. I think, I think there's a, a reasonable chance for that, but clearly you, you think that they're set to go. So, um, uh, I'll be following your list closely. This one, I'm going to always refer back to it and see, uh, just how good you are at the scouting thing. But, um, I wanted to move on here to tier two and, uh, we've been doing this as a theme for some of the last couple of episodes. And that's, uh, the fallers, the guys that disappointed us in 2021 that we've had high hopes for. And there always seems to be one guy in the same range. Um, I don't know how it works out that way, but it does. And, uh, so you actually, Al, um, Doug, you have two to choose from. Um, Geraldo Perdomo 
is one that you can also select. And then I know that people used to love Christian Robinson. You have him all the way down at 13. So I'll give you the choice of big faller to use. Um, for me, it's very, very simply Mackenzie Gore <laughs> as a faller. Um, although he is number third, number three for me in my system. Um, but he'll be my choice for faller. And then for you, Nate, a little bit more difficult to select a, a, a faller because if you just kind of look at Michael Bush's stats really quickly, they don't seem bad. But, you know, his 2021 was uh, not exactly what we were hoping for. So I'm going to use him as a faller for you. And uh, so, Doug, we'll go to you first. Uh, first of all, who are you going to take here in the, that's more interesting, Perdomo or Christian Robinson? I'm going to go Perdomo. Um, I don't want to knock Christian Robinson too much just because he had some uh, factors outside of baseball that contributed to his ranking. Um, he got into some legal trouble, and it sounds like he was just dealing with some mental health issues. Um, so I don't want to, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, fair. disparage him too much. Um, I think it, just the fact that we haven't seen him for a long time uh, is why I ranked him so low compared to where he used to be. Um, he still has some pretty good upside, but we just have to see where he's at. Um, Geraldo Perdomo, um, I'm going to go with because he has always been sort of just a premier on base guy. He, I think he walked more than he struck out for most of his career. Um, but there's always been very limited power to his profile. And um, it seemed to really catch up with him in 2021. Um, he, I think he was sitting below 200 for most of his double A stint. Um, I will say though, he reworked his swing. So I think from August on, he started hitting for a lot of power. Um, with that came with, uh, came an increase in strikeouts. So that'll be something to monitor. Um, he's kind of, he's in a weird spot where it was like, he was on the downswing and now he's back looking pretty good but now it's kind of like it, how much of his plate discipline uh that was so central to his game did he give up in exchange for the power um so i think we still need to see a little bit how it'll play out in the majors but um he's sort of fallen but come back up a little is how i would put it yeah i you know what i have to be honest with you is that when he first came up and it was such a disaster right like nothing but he ended the year hitting 258. I didn't realize that at the end of the year, he got that call up and actually, you know, the power wasn't there or anything, but you know, that, that holding your own for sure. Um, you know, I it's such a small sample size, but I think I just completely wrote him off after that start, which is probably a mistake. So I hope we can learn from that and, and other people can learn from that as well. All right. So Perdomo, uh, you have it number four. I'm going to talk about Mackenzie Gore really quick. I think a lot of people are interested in the, what to think about this guy. Um, I, I I don't know what to tell you, really, to, to be honest with Mackenzie Gore. The immense upside still remains, but the fact that it's taken such a weird way to get there and it's still not even close to being there yet these last two years, I don't know what to make of it. Um, I wrote an article a year or two ago about how he's there's got to be some injury thing there, but you know he pitched plenty of innings in 2021, 20, uh, plenty of different levels as well. Really what's concerning, though, is that, you know, the success at the higher levels just is coming with so many walks. And I feel like it's it's definitely a mental thing here, which is a lot harder than a physical thing. 
at this point, you know, if you have a physical defect in your delivery, it's something you can work out. I mean, he's trying, he's clearly trying to work through something here. And, uh, you know, the only way we'd actually know is if he came on and, and told us, but anytime you have a former top 10 prospect, having to go back down to rookie ball, which he had to do in 2021, you, you got to have a fall from grace. Um, I wasn't able to put him much lower than three. I think some of that's because of the Padres system is so much relying on teenagers that we have barely seen yet. I just didn't feel comfortable saying, oh, yeah, take Victor Acosta ahead of Mackenzie Gore, a 17 year old we saw for 40, you know, 40 games or whatever in the DSL or DSL. So I don't know what you give up for Mackenzie Gore. I think the only way is he's interesting now is if you can get him as like a top 200 prospect and, and just get him or in a throw in deal um, in regards to Perdomo and Bush, which Nate, I'll come to you next here in a second. I think you could take a chance on Gore because I think the ceiling for Gore is still higher than both of those guys. It's all about how much risk your dynasty team can handle. If it means giving up a bunch, then don't go after Gore. But if you can get Gore uh, for cheap and uh, he's definitely, I think in my opinion, you guys can, discuss it as well the highest ceiling players still now the chance that he gets to that ceiling is much lower than it's ever been but um that's my spiel here on Mackenzie Gore Nate let me come over to you with Michael Bush um used to really really like him a little bit down on him I've seen his value decrease a little bit so I'm very very interested to see what you think about Michael Bush for the Dodgers so yeah I think I think Bush is actually on, more on schedule than 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 maybe uh, a lot of people have thought, um, and I, I think that coming into next year, 2022, um, let's say the Dodgers start him at at, at Double A again, just to get him some more familiarity. Um, I think I think we could see more improvements uh, from Bush. Uh, without a whole lot of, of stress in between. And I think uh, ceiling, we're talking uh, Gavin Lux type numbers uh, that we saw from uh, Lux during uh, his stint in the minors. Yeah. Uh, I think Bush is a weird case and it's, uh, next year is going to be a big year for him. The strikeout rate has to go down and the walk rate's fantastic. I mean, that's kind of what he's turning into is a three outcome player strikeout Homer walk, um, which could be interesting, but the age also should be mentioned at 24. You would hope, you know, if he's a major league regular that double a would have gone a little bit more swimmingly. So Doug, let me come over to you. Then you get to pick between those three guys, Bush Perdomo and Mackenzie Gore. Who do you think you're taking next? Um, I'm gonna go Perdomo. Uh, I I really I do still like Gore, um, but pitchers are just so so risky, and the fact that he's showing what his downside looks like for the better part of the last two years um, that just kind of scares me a little. Um, and then with Bush, I think he was good at Double A, but um, I am kind of an ageist, so doing it at 23, I know that sounds harsh to bang him for that, but um, it just kind of makes it a little little harder to project him to keep up what he was doing at uh, AAA, but we'll see. He could prove me wrong, definitely, um, but if I had to bet on one to have the best major league career, I'd go with uh, Geraldo Perdomo at this point. Yeah, I think, I think Perdomo is the safest 
the least exciting. So if that's what you're into, you go with that pick. And, and you know, we're talking, I don't know, probably a fourth or fifth round pick. You, you're looking at these guys if you're in a startup league with prospects only. Um, <clears throat> Bush, I think, is my pick just because I think that the Dodgers know what they're doing. And his upside is pro- it's like in the middle. Like all of a sudden done, if Gore clicks, like you're having an ace. I don't think anybody debates that. but. Michael Bush is probably the in-between answer that you should probably go with if I was having to pick between these three. Um, let's let's. I want to do one more comparison, and then I, I want to kind of ask you about specific guys that have caught my eye and tell you a few that have really got me excited in the Padres as well. And we're going to talk about guys that are close or already in the big leagues. And again, we have guys in similar ranges. For me and the Padres, it's Luis Camposano at 23 years old as a catcher. Uh, already made his major league debut. Um, I have him at number six. <clears throat> For you, Nate, I want you to use Andre Jackson, a 25-year-old pitcher who has also made his debut, and, and talk a little bit about him. And then for you, Doug, I think the guy that um, I don't know. You'll maybe you'll have to pick the guy based on some of these guys. I mean, Perdomo would have been a good choice, but we have already talked about him, of course. I think Ryan Nelson is a guy that I would maybe think about. Um, Seth Beer is another guy that I know he's out. This is why I didn't want to really like force it into that corner for a while. But um, he's he's probably up in the big leagues when he's back. So um, what do you think uh, out of those two? Who do you want to go with? Um, between Seth Beer and Ryan Nelson, um, I would go Ryan Nelson. Um, he is he's a pitcher, close, right? Yeah, he's at Double A. Um, I think. The thing is, though, with like they have this just huge crop of pitchers um, at Double A, and uh, yeah, mostly all at Double A. They're all like the same age. They all pitched a full season. They showed good durability, uh, stringing, uh, swinging strike rates off the charts. But um, so it's kind of hard to like pick right now which one uh, would make it there first. I would actually say Dre Jameson. Um, just because he is a little bit older. Um, I think if I had to bet on any of them to make the majors first, it would be him. Um, some people think he's a reliever. He's sort of smaller on the smaller side, but um, he does hit 100 on his fastball. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and he's shown that he can pitch deep into games uh, pretty much all season last year. So um, I would go off the script a little bit, and I, I would pick Trey Jameson. I like it. I mean, you know better than I do. Uh, but yeah, what a nice crop of pitchers to have. I mean, and they're all relatively at the same point in their development. It's kind of insane if they all sort of hit that uh, the Diamondbacks are going to be looking in really good shape. Um, Nate, let's go over to you. Andre J- Jackson, impressive to be at number eight, especially in a system as deep as the Dodgers. So you must really like him. So let's hear your spiel. Yeah, I, I love Andre Jackson. He, uh, he actually was drafted out of Utah uh, where he was a outfielder. He only, he only made like eight appearances as a reliever uh, with Utah and uh, the Dodgers got a hell of a deal. They took him in the 12th, the 12th, the 12th round in 2017. And of course the Dodgers converted him into uh, a pitcher. Um, the reason I, why I like that so much is because it's a lot like Josiah Gray. When, when Josiah Gray was drafted, he was a shortstop. 
And uh, it wasn't until uh, the Cape where uh, his college coach suggested that he get in a few innings. And then the Dodgers saw that and they drafted him as well. Now, I'm not saying Andre Jackson is Josiah Gray. They don't have the state. Their stuff isn't exactly similar. But uh, Jackson is incredibly athletic. Um, and that shows in his pitching. Uh, he can touch 98 with his fastball. But in my opinion, his best pitch, without a doubt, is his changeup. Um, I love that pitch. I'm a huge fan of changeups, especially when they're thrown really well. And uh, I think next year will be all about finding a third uh, serviceable pitch that he can land with uh, consistency. And uh, maybe he'll be able to, uh, maybe they'll be able to, you know, uh, air him out a bit. And uh, if there's, if there's a significant injury, like there always is for the Dodgers at starting, at starting uh, pitching position, uh, perhaps he could air it out for, you know, five or six innings and then maybe six or seven innings a few times. Um, but the future is bright for Andre Jackson. He, he's got no innings, right? I mean, virtually no innings under his belt. And last year, uh, as a major leaguer, all he did was go out and throw 231 ERA with a uh, 137 whip, but an opponent's average of 238. A lot of that, I'm sure, had to do, you know, he had six, six walks and 10 Ks, which, of course, is uh, nerves, but he only gave up one bomb. So um, I think I think Jackson has a real bright future, especially with the Dodgers, because of the way that they um, they form they can form uh, their pitching staff. And uh, you know he's he's fascinating. I, I, he's I love the hair too. We have to mention that great hair. Um, di- you know, dynasty wise, fantasy wise, I don't I'm not sure about him, but what you're saying is very encouraging for his progress as a major league pitcher. Um, let me talk a little bit about Luis Camposano, and then I'll get your take on, you know, uh, some other guys in your systems here, but, uh, Luis Camposano, a catcher for the Padres. Um, it's just, it's the Padres are in such a strange place in that they were going for it all. It didn't work out, but they were still like trying to win with established major leaguers and they didn't trust Camposano to come up. The potential is still very much there. He's done nothing to really limit any of his uh, potential as a uh, fantasy stud catcher because he can hit very, very well. The defense is lagging behind a bit. And I mentioned this in the write-up as well. I'm a little worried that the Padres aren't ready to trust him anytime soon as a full-time catcher in the big leagues. And uh, I could see him kind of going to, you know, DH or first base or something uh, or a backup catcher for the next couple of years as the Padres are trying to win, you know, every, and they have to win every game. I mean, with this division, with the Giants and the Dodgers, you can't take guys off. You don't have time to let them develop. Campuzano seems to be ready. So with him, I lowered him a little bit to number six uh, because the path to success for him is really narrow. I think he's got to hit really, really well. And that means the DH also has to be in play because I don't think they're going to let him catch every day. And so he's going to need DH at bats to be relevant for fantasy. There's just a lot of things that have to go right for him. And, you know, me as an anti-catcher guy for dynasty leagues, I don't know if it's worth the capital you'll have to invest with him um, if you were starting up or trading for him. So uh, still very nice. I think he's below the tier of catchers that we talked about. 
earlier with Alvarez and uh, Moreno and Car- even Cartaya, I would definitely take ahead of Camposano. But he is closer to the big leagues than all those guys except Adley. Um, so if, if that's your thing, he's definitely interesting there. All right, um, let's go over just some guys that have really caught my attention. And I want to go right to you, Doug, because I got to hear what your take is on Jordan Lawler. I've heard, don't even bother uh, in your first year player drafts. And I've heard take him number one. So um, I'm assuming you have some concrete thoughts and I'm going to trust you, I think ahead of everyone else. So now's the time Jordan Lawler first round pick 2021. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I actually, um, in my first draft, I had him in tier one. Um, and then I kind of thought about it. He did have a shoulder injury similar or maybe the same as Corbin Carroll. Um, so he kind of lost part of his season. And um, I think he he has huge upside. I'll put it that way. I think he's got um, potential to do just about everything you want. And the fact that his hit tool seems like it's the strongest of his tools right now um, puts him in a really great spot. Just, I think uh, some evaluators even called him the best pure hitter out of last year's draft, at least the best pure prep hitter um and that in recent years at least seems like it's a has a really great track record for success as a professional um so i think he's in a good spot the injuries and or the injury and the fact that he hasn't really shown it in pro ball yet uh maybe bump him down to tier two but he's kind of he's kind of in his own hidden tier there um maybe tier 1.5 uh we have that now so (laughs) yeah so um, I, I think he could take off, but, um, we just got to see it first. What is your best case power output for him? When, if he gets up to the big leagues, do you think? Uh, it's kind of hard to say right now. Um, it could be anywhere from, I mean, I guess he has like 30 Homer power in there. Um, it just kind of develop, it depends on how his, uh, physical development goes. Um, but like we were talking about before, people who can just put the bat to the ball like he can and like Corbin Carroll can, uh, they tend to grow into more power. So um, I I wouldn't put too much of a ceiling on his power, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. All right. Marcelo Myers taken. You have the second pick in your first year player draft. Is it Lawler or is it somebody else? Um. I think I might go Brady House just because his performance was so electric. Um, but it would be it would be tough. I kind of have like Marcelo Meyer and then Jordan Lawler and uh, Brady House mm-hmm. together. Agreed, a hundred percent. I think I would go House, but if Lawler fell to me at three, I would not be upset about it at all. I think uh, those are the three tier players that I'm. Hoping to get if I have a top three pick. I uh, don't care which one, to be honest. And uh, to be honest, Meyer is closer to them than I think people uh, would like to admit. I think a lot of people are too high on Meyer. Um, I still take him number one, but these guys are close, in my opinion. Again, they're so young, you know. It's, thousands of things can happen. Um, Nate, coming over to you. Uh, two risers I want you to touch on just briefly. Um, Andy Pahay's. At number four in your rankings, man, what a what a year for him. Love love him. We've talked about him multiple times on this show, but um, 
worth taking a, a gander at your impressions now. And then Andy's lender, uh, Andy's Leonard, another just guy seemingly coming out of nowhere that had a phenomenal 2021 season for his age and everything. Um, those two guys, I'm assuming big risers for you and, uh, What's their outlook long-term? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pejes is is probably my favorite prospect uh, in the entire Dodgers system. And here's why. Uh, his power, uh, I think he can hit every single bit of 40 bombs a year once he's right. Um, and I do think his hit tool will improve um he was only 20 last year he's 21 right now uh he's already been through let's see here he was in single a advanced all of last year he hit 31 bombs 265 average yeah but this is what sets him apart in my opinion he had a 394 on base percentage last year with a 539 slugging and 88 RBIs with 96 runs scored. The kid just goes out and you can tell he's a gamer. He's got one of those just auras about him where it it just looks like he can roll out of bed and go hit, you know, two for four with two bombs and four RBIs, something crazy like that. Um, It'll be very interesting to see what happens when he gets in the double A, but I, I don't see Pehez, uh I don't see him going down whatsoever. I think I think we've only seen the absolute top of the um of the iceberg. And uh I love Cuban players, man. I love all of the things that they have to sacrifice in order to get to the bigs or, I mean, just to, just to the States to play. And I think that in in and of itself is enough to, to make me believe in them just that much more. Mm-hmm. He's six one two twelve. I mean, the kid is stacked, like, like he's about as thick as they get and his hands fly to the ball. So Pejes is, in my opinion, the most exciting prospect the Dodgers have to offer, and I can't wait until next year. I made a huge trade for him last year in our Zap Dynasty, and I have not looked back since. Uh, and then Eddie's, uh, Eddie's Leonard, you're right. He just kind of stormed stormed Normandy last year, didn't he? Um, he... Uh, He's fast, but he's not like, you know, your stereotypical base stealer. However, he's athletic enough where he will play anywhere uh, on the field. He can play short. He can play third. He can play second. He can play the outfield. And that's probably where he'll end up being. It's probably more like a center field type uh, or a utility guy until until maybe all of his tools start um, coming together. Uh Last year, again, I mean, Dodgers, this is what I love about their system. They're on-base machines, 390 on-base percentage for Leonard last night with a 539 slugging, 89 runs scored, 126 hits, 29 uh, doubles, 22 bombs, 81 ribs, and nine steals, hitting 296, you know? And uh, 
he was all of 20, 20 years old last year. So the the hit tool, his his hands are exceedingly fast. He's very comfortable in the box. Uh, he's, he's balanced, and he just lets his hands do the talking. And that power, I think, uh, even though MLB.com had it graded at a 45, I think should be every every bit of 50, maybe even 55, because he's only going to get better, better, bigger. He's listed at 6'1", 160. So, you know, he, he puts on another 25 pounds of muscle. Look out, you know. Uh, he's a very exciting prospect. You know what, Nate? I, I have a confession. I had the Dodgers at 22 overall in our rankings. I think I got to bump it up just because I didn't believe they had a tier one player. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily changed in my opinion. The thing is, these guys can all become tier one players in six months. And I think that's yep. where I didn't make the distinguish. Uh, what word am I? The, the, I didn't make that jump. You know, I just saw what I saw right now without, you know, thinking about this potential. But I mean, what Leonard did, what Behaze did, I can see, you know, I, I personally don't have those three in tier one right now, but they're so close. Like, you you know, our 1.5 tier is probably where I would have those those guys and then you know just a successful couple of months and then they're all up there so i'm gonna i'm gonna change that i was definitely the lowest although they are ranked 15th overall right now um i think it's probably yeah that's probably accurate i think 15th a good ranking for the dodgers which is where we have it which is why we do aggregate rankings right i mean that it gives us a little leeway for air um i'm gonna take some time here and talk about some padres guys they're I'm not going to talk about guys that I've talked in the past, and it's like a Joshua Mears. I hope you know nothing's really changed with those types of guys on this list. Um, I want to talk about the teenagers because we finally got to see them in pro ball, and up until this point, we were just seeing the videos that they, you know, you could find on YouTube or whatnot. Um, and they're insane. Like the, this is what the Padres do. If the Dodgers get guys and develop them in their system, the Padres are the system in all of baseball, to get international signings. Um, they they know how to do it, and they're just dominating it. And it's Victor Acosta, it's Samuel Zavala, it's Daniel Montesino, it's Eddie Beltre, and you know, he's not an international signing, I know, but you can put throw James Wood in there as a teenager as well. These are names you need to know right now for your dynasty teams, and you can probably pick up in a lot of them, especially Montesino and Zavala. Maybe even Victor Acosta. These are guys you can get for nothing right now. And they just did insane things for 17-year-olds. Now, of course, it's the you know rookie ball. It's the DSL, Dominican Summer League. But, I mean, Victor Acosta was – he stole like 30-something bases in like 20 games and hitting over 300. I mean, just insane. And you're getting a switch hitter. You're getting a middle infielder. Zavala is the same sort of tools, but he's in the outfield. So I ranked him a little bit lower. Um, Montezino is a guy that you can get anywhere for free, and he's probably the best hitter of those guys I mentioned right now. It's just that his defensive position is going to be first base or DH. Like that's that's kind of where I see him going. But he can mash, and he, we're talking 17 year olds, guys. I mean, 17 year old players doing the things that they're doing right now is insane. And this is how you become Wander Franco. I'm not saying that they will be Wander Franco in any sense. But this is where you start, right? When Wanda was this age, this is what he was doing. And not a lot of players can do that. It's very, very difficult. So if you want in on the next Wander, 
These are the guys you have to take now. It's just the only way because once they get up and a little bit more recognition, you will not be getting them on your dynasty team for cheap, if at all. Like people will not trade switch hitting 18 year olds that do the things that Acosta might do next year. And um, James Wood is another guy too that we talked about. Well, I mean, I talked about this earlier. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but moving down after you have, you know, the sixth or seventh pick in the first year player draft this year, I think moving back a round or two and picking up maybe two second rounders or a second and a third uh, in a first next year, something like that is just the way to go because you can get a guy like James Wood who had a phenomenal debut and, he looks like Aaron Judge and he's like 19 years old. It's crazy. So you can get a bunch of guys. Benny Montgomery, we talked about. There's a there's a bunch of international signees that you can get in that range that people don't know about yet. So I think that's the move. And uh, with James Wood is a great, great target because um, he is Joshua Mears, essentially, from the left side. Huge linebacker looking guy. I mean, Christian Robinson comes to mind with the this type of body that you're, you're like, wait, you should be playing wide receiver for the NFL and here, here in baseball. And, and so a um, lot, lot to go with these guys. They're by no means sure things, but man, they sure are pretty exciting. So um, let's move on to the last little segment here, guys. Uh, thank you for letting me do my little spe- speech on that. I had to mention that. I think it would be disservice to talk about the Padres without talking about those guys, but let's go to you. Doug and uh, you, anybody we haven't mentioned one, two guys, if you go, you know, if you give me more than two, just try to keep it a little bit shorter. But if uh, a guy that you just love that you think the world needs to know about and it can get in their dynasty leagues right now. Yeah. So um, Davison De Los Santos, I think I'm pronouncing it right. He came out of rookie ball um, complex league, uh, made it to low A as an 18 year old um, and just hit for so much power that, it's really exciting. He's he's kind of become a hype name in a dynasty baseball circle. So I'm not sure how cheap you can get him right now, but um, I don't see his price getting any cheaper. Um, just the, the pure, the pure power skills he has are, are really, really interesting. Um, the hit tool might be a question. I think there's a chance he might struggle next year, but um, I, the power is, is, for real. Um, another guy that um, I was pretty surprised by uh, when I did this write-up was um, Jorge Barosa. Um, he played in low A and high A as a 20-year-old. Um, and the surface stats were not great. I'll admit that. But um, his plate discipline and um, speed were really, really interesting. Um, and you also have to consider that in high A, uh, high A Hillsboro, is a a very pitcher friendly environment. So there's not a lot of offense that goes on, but double a where I'm assuming he'll start 2022 is um, one of the best hitter environments in the minor league. So um, I think he, he has a chance to grow into some power and uh, there's not many better places to do it than in double a Amarillo. Um, So I think there's a chance he could be in for a mini breakout. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be like, He'll ever have like all-star upside, but I think there's a chance he could eventually become a major league regular. Um, I know ranking with 10 is a little, uh, I know it's a little aggressive, but um, I, I really like him. So those are my guys. Um, awesome call on De Los Santos. Uh, the things he did uh, for that age is pretty in like, that's again, that's what Wander Franco did, you know? And so you start there and not necessarily you get to that level, but that's a great call. I think that 
Um, it seems like every team has this one guy that's popped up as a teenager that is just hot in Dynasty right now, maybe this time of year. Um, all right, Nate, I'm interested to see who your your guy is now besides the ones we've talked about already. So uh, who do you got over there as uh, my guy? Uh, one is Alex De Jesus. Uh, he's a shortstop, only 19. He's uh, been a teen his entire pro career. Uh, the hit tool is... Um, I wouldn't say lacking because he is only 19, but at Rancho last year in single A, he uh, had a 386 on base percentage with a 447 slugging, uh, 94 hits, 67 runs scored, 25 doubles, 12 bombs, and 73 RBIs. He's got some swing and miss, but that's okay. He's 6'2", 170, and that will definitely uh, pan out more to uh, 6'2". I'd say 195 once he's put on uh, enough weight. Um, uh, his power is his biggest tool. And uh, I, I just love watching him swing. I love watching him hit. He's been arguably the youngest uh, player on all of the Dodgers teams uh, since he started uh, playing stateside. And he's, and he's more than holding his own. Uh, he's definitely one that, uh, I would recommend trying to snag if, if you can. Yeah, I saw the Jesus actually. And I, for, I was at a Quakes game and it was, uh, the A's affiliate and the, of course the Dodgers affiliate Quakes. And I remember seeing the Jesus and I was like, that's Avon de Jesus, but it wasn't, no, <laughs> I didn't really take a good look at him, even though that's like. 10 years too late, but I just assumed he was still playing for the Dodgers, but um, excellent choice. All right. Um, Fantastic. I think we got a lot of information out for everybody. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up right there. We did it. Um, We did all divisions. It took us a few weeks here, but we got it done before the start of major league reporting which was easy because it was probably going to be canceled anyway but we didn't <laughs> know that at the time so we were able to get this done for you guys and uh we're uh hopefully you found it interesting to go over the divisions we a little bit different we hadn't done it like that before but moving forward we have a lot of fascinating stuff to talk about you wouldn't think about it with a lockout but yet we have first year player drafts to go we have our organizational rankings to go over we have international signings to talk about we, I mean, there's just so much to go over in the next couple of weeks. So keep coming back to us at uh, Futures Focus here. Nate, why don't you get the people to follow you on Twitter and anything that you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, at GQ underscore underscore 82. Um, I'm always on there posting uh, cool little factoids and uh, different things about our league and uh, different things that can help you uh all things dynasty and doug give us your twitter handle and anything else that you've been working on lately for the site or anything in general yeah i'm at h douglas auto all one word on twitter um i am working on uh doing a couple preview articles for the high a central i also cover high a central in addition to arizona diamondbacks for prospects 1500 and then I'm going to be working on a couple uh, sleeper profiles, too, for Arizona. So hopefully those come out before the season. And, yeah, that's it. Great. That's awesome. 
Um, since this is kind of, I'm part of the NL West crew, I'll go ahead and give my Twitter handle. I don't often give it, but in case you wanted to follow me, I'm Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. And for me in the future, I want to take a look at those international signings for the Padres. As I mentioned earlier, they are getting very, very good at signing this young talent. So to examine, I, I wasn't able to feel comfortable ranking them yet in my top 50, even though the signings had just been released, but I, I felt like I didn't know enough about them to just throw them onto a list so what i'll do is kind of give you my interpretation of them and where they might rank if uh when the update comes out in the mid-season uh, according to plan if everything goes according to plan so um that's it for us here on futures focus again this is a podcast brought to you by prospects 1500 keep checking out the site always new content coming out check out those rankings um i've been using them in dynasty leagues to trade, you know, you don't often get like organizational, but uh, I made a trade for Taj Bradley because when uh, Jake came on here, he convinced me that he was above Curtis Mead. And so I traded, I, I just offered Curtis Mead straight up for Taj Bradley and I got him to throw in a third round pick. So wow. um, Jake, that one's on you. If it, if it doesn't work <laughs> out, I'm going to come back to you. But um, that's the type of things that I think the lists are great because People are not using the site, Prospects 15 Under. They're using guys that are trying to rank all the minor leaguers, but not us here. We're ranking them individually, and I think that gives us a very good insight. Of course, we got some homers like Nate over there with the Dodgers, and his, his love <laughs> is unabashed. But uh, regardless, when you're ranking Dodgers prospect, there's probably not a better one to do than Nate. And same for you over there in Arizona, Doug. So, uh, again, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back again shortly to go over some first-year player drafts. This is Futures Focus. We'll talk to you soon.